Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 90 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about discovering encouragement and peace in the midst of life struggles. Let's dive in. I tend to be a rather happy, optimistic kind of a guy. I love to laugh. I love to smile. I just love the joy of life. And it's interesting because I often get a question, which is like, well, Nathan, I'm dealing with a struggle. I'm dealing with a difficulty or a trial or a circumstance. How do I, how do I keep joy? How do I have peace? How am I supposed to keep my perspective amidst all of what's going on and swirling about me? And it's interesting to me that it's a rather popular verse. And yet we tend to forget it amidst the trials and the suffering and the difficulty that we may face at times in life. Now, Romans 8.28, you probably even have memorized, but I want to read it to you afresh, and I want you to hear just the profundity of what God is doing in the midst of your circumstance. So Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. What a phenomenal statement. Is this reality that, If we are called according to his purpose, if we know that we truly are believers, then we can trust the fact that God is is leveraging and manipulating and stirring and using all of what is happening around us for good. Isn't that a tremendous thought? That no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your trial or your suffering or or what your present situation is, God can turn that for good. Now, does that mean he's actually causing your circumstance? No, I actually don't think that's what it means. Because the reality is, is God is not the author of evil. See, he doesn't promote sin. That's completely against his nature. So if something is happening to you that say someone else did to you, well, it's not that he caused it or that he's delighting in the fact that it's happened to you, but he's allowing what the enemy meant for evil. He's he's leveraging that which was used and purposed for your destruction He is going to leverage that for your good. He's going to turn it upside down. And that which was meant for evil is now being meant for good in your life. The perfect picture of this would be Joseph in the Old Testament. In the later half of Genesis, it's interesting that 
here is, you know, we have Abraham, then his son, Isaac, and then his son, Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. And 10 of the sons, the 10 older brothers, took Joseph and literally threw him into a pit, eventually sold him off to slavery. And here is Joseph. He goes off to Egypt, becomes a slave. And over the course of time, through just crazy trials and circumstances, well, he eventually rises into Potiphar's household so that he becomes the most important person in Potiphar's household outside of Potiphar. But out of false accusation and some troubles, he lands himself in an Egyptian prison. Several years go by and it's just, it is not pleasant, but hey, God has allowed him to do fairly well in the prison. But you could look at that and say, wow, that is not an easy life. Here you are betrayed by your own siblings. You're thrown into a mucky pit. You're eventually sold off as a slave. You eventually are thrown into an Egyptian dungeon. You're treated as a slave. This is not an easy life. And years go by. And eventually God allows Joseph, he leverages this problem that was meant to destroy Joseph. God leveraged, he turned on his head this evil and allowed Joseph to become the greatest person in all of Egypt besides Pharaoh. Well, we know that the reason that's significant is because there's this massive famine that happens later on. And because Jacob and these brothers, now 11 with Benjamin, are just like, they're, they're, they're starving and so they go off to Egypt because they hear that there's some bread and, and lo and behold, they meet Joseph and in the midst of this whole thing, Joseph gives, some, gives them some trials, eventually reveals himself, brings the whole family over to this lush northern part of Egypt called Goshen. And later after Jacob dies, the brothers come to Joseph and they say, Joseph, before dad died, he said, hey, make sure that you truly forgive your brothers and, and don't hold this over their head. Because they were afraid that now that their dad had died, that Joseph was going to seek recompense or seek destruction on these brothers. But it's interesting in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, this is how Joseph responds. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people. See, God is able and willing to take any circumstance, trial, and situation. He's willing to take that which the enemy meant to destroy and the, the, the schemes and the injust, injustice and the problems and the trials and the testings that, that the enemy is putting in front of your way to destroy you. See, God is going to leverage that for your good. See, he's going to use that to build your character. He's going to use that to build your faith. He's going to use that to like keep your gaze focused upon Jesus Christ. See, it's interesting when things are going great, we, we get comfortable, we get lazy, and it's easy to kind of sink down into a comfortable position. But when things are difficult, we, we, have, to, we have to stay focused. We have to press in. We, we have to keep our gaze upon Jesus Christ if we're going to survive this trial. And Romans 8, 28 truly is fact that God is taking all things and working them together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. It's so interesting to me that when we're talking about this idea of called according to his purpose, you realize that isn't just prosperity and wealth and, you know, fantastic living. In fact, when you look at the the gospels and the new Testament, it's interesting that God purposely allows and seems to even delight at some level in his people facing trials and difficulties and struggles. Why? Because that's what builds us up. That's what builds our faith. That's what builds our character. And that's what proves God's faithfulness. See, when we have no other hope but him, but we see him moving in the midst of our circumstance and situation, 
it's like, wow, God is, God is real. God is moving. God is in the midst of my circumstance. So this is not a health, wealth, and prosperity, name it and claim it, nab it and grab it kind of a concept. But this is, hey, in the midst of your circumstance and your suffering and your trials and your testing, would you allow God to use that for your good? So therefore, you can have peace. You can have joy in the midst of your circumstance. Why? Because you recognize that even though it may be a, a, a hardship and a trial and a difficulty and it, and it may be really pressing in your life right now, that this is being used to build you up. This is going to build your character and your faith. This is actually going to grow your life in Christ Jesus. And that truly is phenomenal. Paul gives Timothy an interesting declaration in the book of 2 Timothy. This is Paul's last letter that he wrote. So here he is. He knows that he is approaching death, and he's writing this young minister as a way to encourage and exhort him. And this is what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says. Paul writes, Therefore, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That word, endure hardness, is the Greek word, sankakapatheio. Now, <laughs> I hope I've said that correctly. It's a massive Greek word. But what it means is to endure or to embrace hardship. The, the idea is actually like wrap your arms around it and give it a bear hug. Paul's looking at Timothy and says, Timothy, endure, embrace, bear hug, hardness, difficulty as a good soldier of Christ. For he continues by saying, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Paul says, Timothy, you are to embrace, bear hug, just, just grab a hold of difficulty and hardness and, and trials. In fact, he says the same thing in 2 Timothy 4, 5, which says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. And it's that, again, it's that same idea of, hey, would you just go and embrace it, bear hug it, endure it, rejoice in it. And you could say, well, I don't want to rejoice in difficulty. I don't want to. I don't want to be excited when there's trials and hardships and problems and pain, but that's what God is using to build us. To conclude, I want to read a short little article that I wrote this last Saturday. Usually on Saturday for the weekend wrap up, I write a little musing. It's kind of a, just a little thought, if you will, on a particular subject. And this one I entitled a position of peace. And this is what I wrote. Doesn't the idea of peace just sound peaceful? Webster defines peace as freedom from disturbance, a quiet and tranquility. Now, the biblical concept contains the above idea, but appears to be more akin to a position than feeling. It's a removal of enemy faction or a steady, unwavering position amidst any circumstance. Though peace drums up thoughts of sunny beaches with lemonade in hand, the reality is we can have peace in any situation, problem or difficulty. While the disciples were in the upper room before the crucifixion, Jesus told them that he was going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And the very next verse says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John chapter 14, verse 27. Obviously, Jesus is linking the giving of the Holy Spirit with having peace. In the Psalms, we are told to seek and pursue peace, Psalm 34, 14, that God blesses his people with peace, 
Psalm 29.11, and Psalm 147, verse 14. And that righteousness and peace are tied together. See Psalm 85.10. But perhaps my favorite comes from Psalm 119, verse 165, which says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. When you love God's word, you experience a great peace. This isn't merely loving the word of God in text or the Bible, but also loving the word of God in person, Jesus. When Jesus came to earth incarnate within the womb of a young woman, the angels cried out before the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Luke 2, 14. Peace on earth is now possible because the Prince of Peace has been born. See Isaiah 9, 6. Yes, we are to seek and pursue peace, but the Prince of Peace has first sought us. For example, see Luke 19.10 or 1 John 4.19. He has given us his spirit, the spirit of peace, to bring comfort, help, and yes, well, even peace in our lives. I came across a statement this week that stirred my thinking on the subject. The concept was that if I didn't have great peace, it was because I didn't love God's word enough. Psalm 119 verse 165 again says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Do I love the word and the word, Jesus, enough? Without a doubt, my love can always deepen, increase, and expand. But the truth is, if I am lacking peace, it is because I need to embrace the Prince of Peace all the more. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Perhaps your life is in turmoil. Perhaps the winds and the waves are causing you to fear and think drowning in the circumstance is the only option. Be encouraged. Then Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Mark 4, 39. May the peace of God rule in our hearts and lives. Peace isn't merely a feeling. It's a position of calm, strength, and focus amidst life's battles. And you are in Christ, in the Prince of Peace, in Jehovah Shalom, the God of Peace. Well, I just wanted to read that as an encouragement that not only is God going to leverage your circumstances and your trials and your difficulties so that it's bringing about good, but you realize that in the midst of all those trials and those circumstances, you can have peace. You can actually have joy. Why? Because we are filled with the Prince of Peace. God is Jehovah Shalom. He is the God of peace. So no matter what trial, no matter what difficulty you may be facing, or will face in the future, keep your gaze, your focus, your love, your grip upon Jesus Christ. Allow him to leverage all that is stirring and happening in your life for his good. Let it build your character, your faith, and your focus on himself. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a link to that little article that I wrote, as well as all the verses I mentioned, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 90 for episode number 90. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around the Prince of Peace himself.